Okay, people, it is time for another episode. You know, and as we do, people, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 15th of July. So, at number 10 is Kaduva, and at number 9 is London Nae Jungle. I want both the Bollywood films. No other information. So that's all you can get. Great. Alright, but at number eight is the Black Bone. The new film from Scott Durkinson, which he co-wrote with uh, C. Robert Cardell, and they adapted the story from a Joe Hill short. It's starring Ethan Hawke, Jeremy Davis, James Ransom, Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw. Yeah, no. At number seven, sweet people, is the new Pixar film from Angus McLean. It is a light which was written by McLean and Jason Hedwig. For the voice cast of Chris Evans, Kiki Palmer, Dale Souls, Tapiti Watiti, Ida Suen, Uzu Aduba, James Brolin, Mary McDonald Lewis, Efran Ramirez, and Isaiah Jr. So that means at number six, we have the railway, the, the railway children return. So this is from Morgan Matthews, and it's written by Daniel Rockwell-Hurst and Gemma Rogers. Okay, that's all we have on that one. So we are in our top five. And number five, it is the third part of Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic Park trilogy. It is Jurassic World Dominion. So he co-wrote it with Emily Carmichael. And it's starring Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, The Wonder Wise, Isabel Soman, Omar Sy. Yeah. So uh, if you're into dinosaurs. At number four, we looked at it a few weeks back. It's Joseph Koninsky's Top Gun Maverick. The sequel 30 something years in the making and delivers. Oh, well, it's written by Aaron Kruger and Eric Warner Singer. And it is starring Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, Val Kilmer, John Hamm, Miles Teller, Ed Harris, Jean Louisa Kelly, Manny Chakinto, Glenn Powell, Raymond Lee, Monica Barbaro, Louis Pullman, Danny Ramirez, Jake Pickering, and Jay Ellis. 
So at number three, that means we have the new Baz Luhrmann joint. It is which he co-wrote with Sam Rommel and Craig Deer, starring Tom Hanks, Austin Butler, Olivia De Jong, Darcy Montgomery, David Wenham, Luke Gracie, Kobe Smith, McPhee, Richard Roxbury. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a solid cast, people. It's a solid cast. At number two, it is Minions: The Rise of Drew. This is directed by Kyle Alder, Brad Eagleson, and Jonathan DeVale. And it is written by Matthew Fogel and the voice cast of Steve Carell, Pierre Cooper, Alan Arkin, Taji Hanson, Michelle Yu, Russell Brand, John Cordovan Dunn, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trager, Lucy Lawless, Jimmy O'Yang, Rizza, Yamhee, Stop that cast, people. So our number one film, yet again, not really a surprise, is Takawahiti's second album, The Thunder God. It's for Love and Thunder. So um, Wahiti co-wrote with Jennifer Caton Robinson, and it's starring Chris Hemsworth, Matiti, Chris Pratt, Natalie Portman, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Karen Gillan, Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Sally Neal, Damon, Tessa Thompson, Tom Clemente, Jamie Alexander, Bill Diesel, Russell Crowe, Nick Hemsworth, Kat Denning, Dave Batista, Sean Gunn. Wasn't able to see it this week, people. I need to. Hear me? Alright, so that's our top 10. I think now we should get into this week's film, shall we? Alright, let's go. Okay, people, let's get things started with Price Fighter The Life of Gem Bell. If you're a fan of boxing films, people, you probably, uh, yeah, when you think of Russell Crowe, right, you think Cinderella Man, 2005. Russell Crowe is, you know, I mean, coming off the success of Gladiator, right? LA Confidential. He is pretty hot commodity, a beautiful mind. Master and Commander, Proof of Life, he's made some really good films, right? Cinderella Man plays what Jim Braddock, and it's, it's a really good film. I thought, yeah, very much enjoyed it. So when word comes that Russell Crowe is in another boxing film, you're like, okay. I mean, you do think to yourself, hmm, I mean, he is old. Right? <laughs> Do we want to see Russell Crowe boxing? Is that going to be believable? 
So yeah, that, that was a thought coming into Prize Fighter, the new film from director Daniel Graham, written by Matt Hookings. Um now <laughs> we don't have to fear. Russell is not well, I say he's not boxing. He does box a little, kind of, in the film. You know what I mean? Um, so, it is produced by Chris Hardman um, and Hookins. It is co-produced by Alexa War, um, Elvin Juan Gokkul. Kathleen Debrink Cat and Maria Den. There are a heap of executive producers on this film. Um, music is from Paul Sanderson. Cinematography is Ben Brahma Siraba. Uh, it's edited by Jeff Cummings and Chris Gill. Nancy Bishop handles the casting. Sonia Claus, production design. Art direction is Phil Donaldson, Chris Fagan, Diana Gunny, Dontas Pestelis, and Joseph Wayne. Um, our cast. Okay, so... Um, Matt Hawkins is actually the star of the film as well. He plays Jem Belcher. Ray Winston, um, well, no, sorry, Russell Crowe plays Jack Slack, right? Jem's granddad, I think that's what he would be. Jem's mum is Jack's daughter. So I think that would make him granddad, right? Uncle, grand, I don't know why I still don't know this shit. <laughs> I'm too old not to know this shit, but I do not know this shit. Anyway, that's the boss, right? Um, his mother is Mary Belcher, and she is played by Jodie May. He's got a brother and sister. Uh, his sister is Gilly played by Lucy Martin. His brother is Tom, played by Stanley Morgan. So his trainer is Bill War, played by Ray Winston. There is Lord Rushworth, played by Marton Kuzakis. Um, Lord Ashford, played by Julian Glover. There is Henry Pierce, the Challenger, played by Ricky Chaplin. Uh, Lady Abigail, played by Olivia Chenery. Um, Frank the Bomber, played by Michael McKell. There's Big Joe, played by Joe Egan. Uh, Violet, played by Nolene Komiski. Um... Andrew Gamble, played by Mark Epstein. Uh, Bob D. Blackbeard Britton, played by Julius Francis. 
Yeah, I'd say that's probably the the most notable people in the film. Probably. Yeah. The gist is this. In 1800, Jem Belcher became the youngest ever world boxing champion. Belcher played um, played by Matt Hawkins, dominated his early fights with his unique skill, speed and scientific approach, and soon became champion of England. A natural talent oozing with charm, style and grace. After a life-changing accident, risked ending his career forever, he begins a long, grueling road to recovery, which eventually sees him compete in a death-defying standoff, known only as the forgotten fight of the century, to uh, reclaim his title. Um, as once the youngest boxing champion. So, yeah, that's the gist of the film, people. Um, and I think, right, that synopsis is potentially the problem with the film. Because all of those things aren't really displayed. Right? Which is... Such a shame because when you you know you look at that cast, the cast is solid. Cast is solid, really good actors and actresses, but it doesn't necessarily come across right. Because so let's look at this, right? Belcher, right? Known for his unique skills, speed, and scientific approach. Don't really see that, right? Don't really see like the the fight choreography, and when we can watch some great fights every single week, right? So that's boxing, that's you know MMA, kickboxing. There is so much on TV now, you know that, that we can find, right? Most most channels, you know. Fight Pass for the UFC or ESPN, you know, you've got, um, it's on BD Sports as well, right? Channel 4 is the PFL, BBC has Bellator. So even if you don't, you can't, you're not paying for Fight Pass, right? You're not paying for BT. You can watch stuff on terrestrial TV. I mean, there's there's the big boxing fights, you know. We see world-class boxing. The fights that we saw here, like, a lot of punches look like slaps, if anything. You know, it didn't look like the sweet science. That's the big thing here, right? And especially if you're saying someone is known for their scientific approach and just all of this. We need to see it. We need to see it. We do not see it. We don't really see the charm, the style, the grace. Don't really see it. Don't really see it. And and I think it's such a shame. Such a shame. Like the chemistry between, you know, 
everyone essentially it's just it falls kind of flat falls kind of flat the i think the best performance here is from jody may right uh, belcher's mother she really does like you can see the anxiety the, the you know i mean the hurt just all of these emotions but on a lot of the other people like with Russell Crowe's character. I, you know, I just, I, we'll just point out, the first time we see Russell Crowe, they play music that is very similar, very similar to the Gladiator theme, which you just kind of roll your eyes and be like, oh no, what are we doing? Right? I kind of feel you do not want to be reminding people of Gladiator when we see Crowe. Because this is not a gladiator performance, right? So it's just don't remind people of a time when he was really killing it with the acting. Because this, they're, they're, it feels like there's a lot of phoned in performances, you know? <sighs> Such a shame. I think another big factor here is. Well, there's two things, right? The the tone of the film, that you know, the color setting changes, right? There are these moments where it, it feels very, um, oh, a kind of like subdued, right? That they they really kind of tone like I don't know, submerged the feel of it, right? But then other times it's all shiny. You know what I mean? It's all shiny, right? The clothes, all very bright in colour. There is a scarf that Jim has from a kid, right? His uncle, granddad, whoever the fuck Russell Crowe is, gives him this scarf when he's a little kid. And then till the very end, this scarf, Still as bright and colourful as it. I'm like, there, there, there wasn't, you know what I mean, colour correcting fabric softener or, or, or washing powder. Those weren't the things. Colours faded. You know what I mean? Colours faded, right? That's, that's what used to happen, right? Clothes got frayed. We didn't see that. We didn't see it. It's just like, how the fuck? Is this scarf going to be as vibrant as it was, you know, over 20 years ago? It, it, it's something that you, you're like, what's happening here, right? The clothes. Now, when you first buy them, buy new, crisp, you know what I mean? But after a while, shit's going to fade. You know what I mean? Colors are going to run, right? Everything ran then. You know, you, Colours wasn't this, this, you know, like it is now. <laughs> so it, it it makes for a weird feel of a film when you have all of this, and then you know some for some reason some scenes feel more subdued tonally than other scenes. It's very odd in that regard, you know. But yeah, so you have all of that, but then you just. As I said, look, 
there's no real chemistry between anyone. You know, so it, it feels really, you know, there's, there's just no depth. It just felt like there's no depth here. You know what I mean? So you, you, you've got this story and just everything that's meant to happen, and but it's just like, ugh. You know, you just think to yourself, well, what, like, what are the threats? What's the consequences? And there's a lot of shit that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a point when the mum goes to him, oh, you need to soak your hands after a fight. But it's not after a fight, right? It's not after. So you're just like, wait, what? You know what I mean? He hasn't fought, but his hands are all bruised up like he has fought. It makes no sense from where he came from, right? Just the fact... Like, there's a prison sequence, and you're thinking, well, how does this make any sense, right? What's happening here? Because the scene sh kind of shows it's a setup, but for what reason? We do not know. It's just something that happens, right? There's a lot of these weird things that just seem to happen, but with no real rhyme or reason or explanation. You know, it's all a bit like, huh, okay, right? Like, we don't necessarily see a fallout between uh, Bletcher and Lord uh, Rushworth. Yeah, we don't see that. But we kind of feel that there must have been for where the film goes. But it's just like, what is, what's going on, right? And here's the other thing. We know fighters who have, you know, issues with like Michael Bisping hurt his eye, went on to become frigging middleweight champion of the world, which is insane, right? But he talks extensively about the difficulty he had because his depth perception changed. You know what I mean? It, it, it changes everything. I have no depth perception, right? Trying to shoot baskets is insane. Because sometimes I'm overshooting, sometimes I'm undershooting. I very rarely <laughs> get it right, you know? But here we see Belcher have difficulties with the eye. But then there's nothing where we see him working on getting that perception back, right? We don't see it. So there's these things of like, go in the mud, right? Catch a fly. You know, one of the craziest things with the electric eel, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not a thing. It's, it's not a thing. What are we doing here? You know, it's, Oh, so so bizarre, so bizarre, right? There's these scenes which is, you know we're trying to show Bletcher as like a ladies' man, so we see him with like numerous women, but the sex scenes all felt mad robotic, right? There's no sensuality, you know. Now they're not uh, 
over the top. They're not gratuitous or anything like that. We're not seeing anything. But it, you just kind of feel there's no point of having them. Because, you know, as I said, look, it doesn't necessarily show him as this ladies' man, this suave guy, which is meant to be the point, right? Now, when you read about the film, find out there was a lot of issues. There was a lot of issues behind, a lot of infighting, supposedly. And it kind of shows, right? It, it kind of shows that there's a, a pulling in directions, as I said, like tonally, color-wise, right? I imagine some people going, yo, we, this is like, it shouldn't be shiny. I was like, oh no, we want it like, you know what I mean? It feels, it really feels like there was a lot of clashes to try and get this to look and feel a certain way. And, you know, they couldn't really work it out. Couldn't really work it out. It is, it's, it's a shame, people. It really is. Now, maybe, right, if you're a fan of the Never Back Down films, you know, that kind of stuff, then this, this might work for you, right? But if you're a fan of some of the classic boxing films, this one doesn't, doesn't hold up like that, right? Doesn't hold up. Now, they clearly, clearly try and steal some shit from Rocky, which is insane. It's insane, right? We, I don't believe there's Vaseline in, at, at this time, but He's using this kind of Vaseline to, you know, stop cuts and bleed it. It, it makes no sense. <laughs> if you're a fan of boxing, if you're a fan of fighting, it makes no sense, some of the shit we see here. It, it really doesn't. But, hey, people, if you want to learn a little bit about uh, Jim Bletcher, right, I say a little bit, because as I said, look, there's gaping holes, right? We don't know why he died so young. We, don't, we just don't know. Don't know, right? It leaves all of these things out. But if you want to try and learn a little bit, you know what I mean? Prize Fighter may be for you. And if so, people, it will be available on Amazon Prime. So if you've got a Prime account, you can dip in, take a little look. Maybe you're like, yo, this is the film. This gets the juices pumping. This is my Rocky, right? Maybe it works for you on that level. And yeah, it's on Prime so you can go check it out and work that out for yourselves, people. Okay, prize fighter. The real life Jim Belcher story. Okay, so now we've got the first of our Netflix joints. It is the turning point. Okay, so decided to check out 
the turning point, aka La Svolata. Now, it's an Italian film, um, a crime thriller over on Netflix. Okay, it is directed by Ricardo Anton Arlo uh, and written by Roberto Kimpanelli and Gabriel Scarfon. The film is produced by uh, Campanelli, uh, Marco Pochino, and Marco Valsania. Line produced by Corso Codesia and David Tovey. Music was from uh, Michael Braga. Cinematography is Emmanuel Zalenga. It's edited by Esmeralda Calbria. Casting was Anna Pinella. Uh, production design is Sonia Peng. Um, set decoration is Paolo, Paola Soldini. Costume design is Eleonora Di Marco. With uh, hair and makeup from Tizania Porazzo and Silvia Sangoriaggio. And our cast, we have Andrea Latzani, Brando Pasito, Ludvicia Martinio, Shabelli Sastri, Claudio Bigali, Marcelo Fonte, Christian Di Santi, Tulio Sorrentino, Filippo Country, and Max Malastasta. So that's that. And the gist of the story is this. A slacker who does his best to avoid confrontation strikes up an unlikely friendship with a dangerous bug who suddenly forces his way into his life. It's, I mean, essentially, right, it's that story of two unlikely people forced together and then they become great friends, you know, which, I mean, it's fine, right, it, it's, I think it's, because this film, it's essentially, it's about 90 minutes, right, and we don't necessarily get reasons, you know what I mean, they're forced together, because uh, Jack is on the run, right? And, yeah, so he, he gets in. And instead of, uh, I don't know, he, like, you'd think there should be, like, the, these key kind of points which make it, understandable 
why a friendship is forming here, right? Because you you have uh, oh gosh, I think it's Ludvico. I think that's the name of the other dude. Um, I forget. I only just watched it and I've fucking forgotten. Hey, but yeah, he's like um you know introverted. Um, like he says that he is has an illness, a serious illness, which then you kind of kind of he says depression, right? But then the other way he acts is if there is something else that never gets mentioned, you know. So it's all a bit weird, but he's, you know, in himself and he doesn't do certain things. And just from a few conversations, right, just a few conversations, suddenly, like, now, oh, I've got the confidence to do this and I'll do that. I'll take my hat off. Or, you know, and it's just like, look, yes, that could happen. But it's going to be over more than a few conversations, right? Being around positive people can definitely change your outlook on life. Now, it's not to say Jack is a positive person, you feel me? <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, you, you just think, I get what they're trying to do, but they haven't really given me a reason to believe any of this is possible, like any of this could take place, right? Again, we've got, you know, the attractive neighbor upstairs, right? And you're just like, okay, for anything to happen, you kind of feel that my man has to completely change. And I'll just say, right, not to, when I say completely change, I don't mean he'd have to be, you know, be taller or anything like that. No, but he, it, like, as I said, look, we start off no confidence, won't talk to her or anything like that. And then we're meant to believe things could change, but it's just like, why? And then on the flip, it's just like, what is it on her point of view where she's like thinking anything? You know, we don't see it. It's all very circumstantial. It's all very easy, you know, but it, it, it doesn't, you know, you're watching a film and you'd be like, okay, but why? I mean, that's the big thing all the way through, but why? So I kept on asking myself, why would this happen? You know, why would someone let that take place? You know, why wouldn't someone be on their guard when they know a certain person accompanies a certain person? You know, there's just all of these questions, which, yeah. It, 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 uh, I mean, it's fine, right? It, it, it kind of passes the time, but it just isn't, for me, it's not weighty enough to really be, like, memorable, to make an impact, you know what I mean, right, because we've seen some great kind of tales around this kind of thing, but yeah, this, 
Uh, I don't know, people. I do not know. But, man, if, yeah, if you're looking for an easy, easy type of story, you know, then maybe this will, uh, this will be the one for you, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, like there's a load of similar kind of stuff to this on Netflix, you know, like um, Centuro that we looked at the other week, you know what I mean, I, I definitely feel if you enjoyed that, then the turning point will will work for you. So I would go on it on that point of view. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's not a long film. As I say, it's not offensive. It's easy. So you might just want a little sign, you know, as a distraction. It would work either way. But yeah, turning point. It's on Netflix, people. There you And let's bring it home with the great man, right? The Russo Brothers adaptation of Mark Green. Dreamers? There's Green's, um, yeah, spy crime in a book series. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good book series. If you haven't read it, go check it. Man, I've been a fan of Mark Green, Greeny, huh, I think that's how you pronounce it, Mark Greeny, hmm, anyway, that's how I'm pronouncing it, but I've been a fan of these books, man, like the Grey Man series, it's fun, right, it's a fun little kind of international romp, essentially, started in 2009, and the 11th book, Sierra 6, came out earlier this year. So when I heard that it was being made into a film, I was like, hmm, okay. Then Russo Brothers involved, like, okay. Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling, and Adea Mas. I'm like, you know what? This, this is worth a look. Now, I did have my reservations. Not that the story would be bad, right? I, mean, I didn't fear the film would be a turkey. But I wondered because, you know, um, we've got a... Fuck, I forget Homie's name. Jack Carr. Jack Carr's terminal list on Amazon. Right, that's a TV series, and I thought to myself, "Hmm, would would the Green Man serve better as a TV series?" You know what I mean? Haven't got to the terminal list yet. I will do. I will do. But yeah, those were the thoughts coming into this. So, people, uh, you know, as mentioned, it is directed by. Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, Joe co-writes with Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFreely. And as mentioned, it's based on the Mark Greeny books, right? 
so the uh, producing, uh, you know, all of that, Shinans, we have got Palak Patel, uh, there's Joe Roth, Zach Roth, no, Zach's actually an executive, no, we've got the Russos, um, we have got Jeff Kirk, Kirkishbaum, and Mike Lacorca, uh, and Chris Castaldi. It's executive produced by um, Zach Roth, as earlier mentioned, Angela Russo Ostost. Uh, we have got Patrick Newell. Stephen McFreely, Christopher Marcus, um, Jack Ost. Did I say Jack Ost? I forget. But also Jeffrey Haley. Line produced by Benoit Jabut. Co-produced by Joseph J. Mikuki, David Minowowski. Matthew Stillman, Anthony J. Vohines, and associate produced by Muta Mutaza Kafawawa. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Music was Henry Jackman. It is Stephen F. Wyndham on cinematography, Jeff Groth and Pietro Scalia on editing duties, Sarah Finn and Krista Horza handled the casting, production design is Dennis Gassner, um, we got set decoration from Nancy Heich, costume design from Jadinia Makow Makowski. Whew. Boy. And art direction is Martina Tel Akapoa. Uh, Theodora Tel Akapoa. Eric Sandal. Dan Shakaparia. Lauren Rosenblum. Pavel Krajek. Richard J. Johnson, Tom Ruffling, Neil Callow, and Gregory F. Anderson. Our cast, well, people, people, people. We've got Ryan Gosling as Six, a.k.a. The Grey Man, a.k.a. Court Gentry. Chris Evans plays Lloyd Hansen. Anna de Armas is Danny Miranda. Billy Bob Thornton is Fitzroy. Jessica Henwick is Susanna Brewer. We got Reggie Jean Page as Carmichael. Althea Woodard as Maurice Cahill. 
Uh, we got Darush as Avic San. Um, there is Claire Fitzroy's um, niece, right? Pseudo daughter, played by Julia Butters. We got uh, Laszlo Souza, played by Wagner Mura. Um, I would say that's the main crew, right? Yeah, that's the main crew, essentially. Mm. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's what that's what we have. Um, it, it, I think mean, one of the fun things is seeing, uh, you know. Old um, Avengers crop up. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Uh, and I will say, right, there was definitely those times, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, do I know that person looks familiar? Who the fuck is that person? And I got some of them right. I did get some of them right. Billy Bob Thornton, right? I'm just looking up. I swear, that's old Billy Bob. And it was. I was pretty proud of myself. Um, kind of got a fear of Woodard. I just kind of forgot her name slightly. <laughs> uh, Jessica Henwick. That one caught me. Because I'm like, yo, I know that person. Who the fuck is that person? It was driving me insane. I was like, I know who that is. Ah, oh, she looks so familiar. And uh, yeah, scratch my head, scratch my head. She's just but looks crazy different from Colin Wynn in Daredevil. No, in um Iron Fist, right? Yeah. That was that was crazy. But um, yeah, people, everyone killed it, man. Everyone killed it, which was great. I did feel that um, old Happy was in it. Um, fuck. John Favreau, right? I was looking, I was like, is that John Favreau? I don't think it was John Favreau, but I, there's someone that definitely looks like John Favreau in the film. Just a small part, but, you know. Anyway, um, so Cork Gentry, a.k.a. Sierra Six, a highly skilled former CIA operative was once the agency's best merchant of death. After his escape from prison and recruitment by former handler Donald Fitzroy. Hmm. Okay, yeah, no, actually, that does make sense. Gentry is now on the run from the CIA with Agent Lloyd Hansen hot on his trail. Aided by Agent Danny Miranda, Hanson will stop at nothing to bring Chetri down. Uh, so yeah, there you go. And um, listen, right, so this you know, is based on a book series. Started 2009, first book, same name, and it does follow a lot of the beats of that first book. There's definitely some stuff that you know, is a little bit different, right? 
I think one of the big ones is, I don't think, like, we do use the name Gentry or the Grey Man. I think six, started to be referred to six more in the later books. And I feel it was the last one where we kind of get, you know, the, 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 the understanding of why that was, right? But, um, yeah, some of the other things they changed. Well, Danny, um, you know, Dea Mass's character, Danny, she's kind of new. Now, there is a female in the first book, but, yeah, not an agent. What was she? Huh. I forget. I think she was a nurse. I forget. But, yeah, there is a female character, which has been changed slightly. Now, that female character did, you know, she did help Gentry. She did save him. But, yeah, Dea, Dea Massey's character is a bit more kick-ass. Um, but, you know, works. Character definitely works, right? Because I think there are those times when you're reading these books, right? Because they are kind of fluff, in a sense. Because you're just like, yo, okay, how is a person getting out of that scenario, right? So you throw in Dea Massey's character. And that helps with some of those things, you know, which was just, yeah, that works, works. You know, another, an interesting thing was the, um, the, uh, the Carmichael, right? That whole situation. And, um, fuck, what's her name? Susan, right? Uh, God damn it, Susan. What the fuck is her, um, oh, God, my brewer. Jesus Christ. Yes, Denny's, um, Denny and Susan's relationship. Slightly different in this one. Slightly different, but, right, where you, you, you know, you could be watching and thinking, oh, it's completely, they, they, it does then get twisted back. does get twisted back to something that you do kind of you feel familiar. But it's, it's played nicely. It's definitely played nicely. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. I mean, I would say Carmichael probably looks slightly different than you might think. In the books, he's, he, I feel he's older, you know, he was a field agent. Now he's been behind that desk a little bit of time. You know what I mean? So he's gone to pot a little bit. You know, but these things don't really matter. You know, that doesn't mean the, the changes made in this wasn't mad at. I'm down for. You feel me? It works, right? I I really enjoyed how this all unfolded, right? I think it made a lot of sense. Um, now, <laughs> listen, it is over the top. It is crazy. You know, fast pace is fun, but that all works. It all works to tell this story, I feel. You know, it's not a Tinker Taylor soldier spy, but 
it kind of feels a little more dynamic than James Bond a lot of the time, right? Different film, so don't get me wrong, people. You can enjoy both in their own iterations. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the Grey Man works extremely well, right? They do, as I said, look, there are changes made, but they do throw in a lot of the stuff from that first book, right? So you're just like, ooh, like the whole passport situation, you know what I mean? That was interesting. You'd be like, oh, how are they going to show? Yeah, that was done nicely. Um, yeah, there's a few other good little scenes. But yeah, it's it, it, it was done really well. And I really enjoyed a lot of the transition shots, right? Because they kind of utilized the drone. So you get this kind of fast sweep, but at a kind of a weird, skewed angle. And yeah, what what really well. Like we do get a lot of these kind of fast transitions, but at weird angles, right? And I enjoyed it, right? It, I don't know what it was, but you know, it's a little different to some some of the stuff we usually get. You feel me? You know what I mean? So yeah, really enjoyed that. Fight scenes were fun as fuck, right? And you're like, yeah, realistic fight, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, that's some of the things, you know, there's been a lot of films of late that we have looked at where the fight scenes stunk. <laughs> they really stunk. Oh, man. I listen, even one of the films from this week, which was boxing, fight, mm, not, you know, not as compelling as the fights we see here. And uh, yeah, it's boxing, should have felt real, didn't feel real. These fights, yeah, there was a reality to them. It did. I don't know if it was just my weird eyes, but it did feel like in some of the fights, they sped it up slightly, which on paper you might think, ah, nah, that ain't gonna, but it works. It works. It played nicely. Played nicely, man. I liked it. And just like Blade, right? Because I think one of the big things for me with Blade was it, it was this dark, dark film. You know, especially for the time, yo, you know what I mean? But they threw in jokes and stuff like that. So he didn't try and make it a... It wasn't a comedy in any means. You know, he didn't try and make it like Deadpool. But, you know, I mean, we have these situations and people... Like, you're going to crack a joke sometimes, right? And that was... Yeah, I thought you'd go, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's how shit would be. Similar thing with this. You know what I mean? It's not trying to be a comedy, but there is this, uh, there are these jokes thrown up in there, and um, that helps it. Helps it. I think, look, the performance is solid, and I am down for another. I'm down for another. I wonder, as I said, look at the start, I wondered, could they tell this story in this time frame? You know, are we going to feel like, ah, 
you should have told us more about that. Like, why didn't you go into that? No. Now, obviously, you can always add a little more depth, but it works. And I think it serves as a really good jump-off point. Look, there's 11 books, right? And um, Greeny brings out a book every year. So, you know, there's plenty of material. And, yeah, the book's definitely... You know, I mean, you get really interested. The Russian spy situation. Yo, there's some good shit. There's some good shit. So I am hoping Netflix, uh, you know, renews. Is it renewing? Would it be renewing? No, not renewing, but green lighting. Green lighting. Green lighting a sequel. That'd be fly. But yeah, people, if you like a spy film, if you like an action film, this, I think this will hold you down nicely. As I said, look, it's not Tinker Taylor. It's not, you know, one of the first three born films, but it's definitely good. It's definitely solid. And it beats the shit out of um, a lot of the films in this genre. Right? I mean, Fortress Sniper's High. Yo, this kills it. You know what I mean? And I think one of the fun things, when you look at the Russo's films, right, you think, oh, could they do a film like this? At the beginning, right? Killed it in the MCU. Then they went and did Extraction. If you thought this was going to be, yo, this ain't like Extraction. But it's got its own feel, and it works just as well. So people, the Russo brothers, do not disappoint. Captain America is a bad guy. Oh, Chris Evans really, really gets into playing a psychopath nicely. Ryan Gosling, man, really good. Really good just in this kind of role. You know, I mean, like, we've seen him kick ass in Drive, but he kind of felt in Drive he was still a bit of a pretty boy and all of that. This one is just creepy as fuck, right? Anna de Amas, Avia Woodard, like, yo, everyone kills it, man. He's some great performances. And as I said, look, I very much enjoyed it. So let's hope we get more. You know what I mean? Okay, people, so we've reached the end of another episode, but before we bounce, let's take a look at what's happening in the world of film. Okay, so um, Apple have picked up a new film um, starring Jennifer Lawrence, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a war story. It's also starring Brian Tullis Henry, Samira Wiley, Linda Emmond, and Stephen McKinley Anderson. Right? It is um, written by Otizia Mushbay, Luke Bell, and Elizabeth Saunders. Okay. Um, 
yeah, it's about a soldier struggling to adjust to her life after returning home to New Orleans following a tour in Afghanistan. So, the film's going to be called Four's Way, um, and it's directed by Lila Negubera. So, um, Alright, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff. We've got three festivals coming up, right? So, over at the Venice Film Festival, right? Uh, a few films are making their premieres, right? So, we've got Bones from Luca, right? This one stars Tina Russell and Timothy Chalamont. Um, Elizabeth Wilde's new film, Don't Worry Darling, also uh, for premiere. Um, we've got the uh, new one from Andrew Dominique, right? Blonde, which uh, is about Marilyn Monroe. Um, there is Todd Field, his new film, Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, also there, and um, Noah Bambach has a new film, White Noise, an adaptation of, um, yeah, a film done by Don Leo, and it's starring Predator, we can add him to drive. You know, they always work well together, so looking forward to that one. Um, and then there's the Master Gardener starring Sabine Weaver and Joel Edgington from Four Shredders. Shredder, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot popping up. There is a lot popping up, you know. Um, I mean, also, right, we've got uh, the Toronto Film Festival um, coming up, and that will be premiering Mike Leesman um, and the Fables. Right, so, yeah, they're going to be two of the big films of the Black Festival in September. Um, um, so if you're a fan of SNL, the names Ben Marshall, Jonathan Higgins, and Martin Hurley, um, you'll know their names, right? Please don't destroy is the name of their band as it were and uh yeah they're making a film right it's about three childhood friends who live and work together when they decide they don't um like their life trajectory they set off to find to find a gold treasure that is rumored to be buried in a nearby mountain okay yeah 
it is being produced by
including the graveyard caretaker Silas after his family's murder. So, now, right, those sound pretty interesting, right? I think some of the biggest news, though, coming from the House of Mouse is from Comic Con and related to Marvel. Right, because they announced phase five. Mm-hmm. Right, so phase four is going to be concluding with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I believe a teaser trailer is the rounds online for that. Right, so that's dropping on November this year. So phase five starts February 2023 and ends in July 2024. Right, so we have got Ant-Man and Wasp, um, Quantumania, right, that's on the 17th of February, then um, there will be Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, uh, The Marvels, um, so Guardians is the 5th of May, uh, The Marvels is the 28th of July, then on the 3rd of November, so following that, there will be um, the, uh, Captain America New World Order on the 3rd of May 2024. And Thunderbolts on July 2024. So this is a few TV series that sound very interesting. Um, you know what I mean? Which, uh, yeah, we're getting a, a Daredevil boom again, which is like an incredible story, right? Agatha, Cousin of Chaos. You know, we know Iron Hearts coming, Loki season two, Echo, Secret Invasion. So there's some tasty shit. On top of that, right? Because everything kind of got tied together the last time with the Avengers film, right? Endgame, Secret Invasion, Secret War, even Infinity War. Boy. Yeah, so we got those, right? This time, um, yeah, we are getting um, two new Avengers films. Oh, also, with the films coming, so on the 6th of November is Fantastic Four, right? Which, uh, I mean, I don't know what the fuck happens with that, right? Because we got a taste of Fantastic Four in the Doctor Strange film, you know? So it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, so the first Avengers film is, looks to be Avengers The Kang Dynasty, right? On the 2nd of May 2025. And then... Right, crazy thing, two Avengers films in one year. So on the 7th of November 2025, Avengers Secret Wars, which 
boy. And you can like comic books. Oh, people. That's going to be sick. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Wait, there is something else with like the multiverse saga. I don't know if that's gonna be a film or TV series or if that's just the kind of theme of everything. But what we do know is there is some interesting shit coming from the house of ideas. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, if you've been enjoying your Marvel stuff so far. The people, that is it for this week. Enjoy your film watching, and uh, until next time, peace.